Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. And welcome back, everybody. We're so glad to have you today on the rest of the sermon. And let me tell you, I'm excited. We have got a special guest today. I told you over these next couple of weeks, I'm going to be having some friends come in that I enjoy talking with. That's a good podcast when you just enjoy the person that you're talking with. Last week, we talked to Mr. Adam Dell. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, loving husband, great father, entrepreneur, Mr. Matthew Bedell, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, buddy, how are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, next week, we're going to have Adele. And the following week, you said, we're going to have... Dave Chappelle. Sh- <laughs> Yeah. We're just going to... We haven't this, planned it out beyond that. This but. is out of control now. This is right. ridiculous, right. man. Matt Bedell, how are you, buddy? I'm well. I'm well. I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk with you. I have actually never done a podcast. So. Are you serious? Yeah. So Wow. Um, the irony of that is hilarious, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. Sure. Like, yeah. I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. Absolutely. Um, and so I know how they're supposed to go. Sure. Uh, and so I hope I live up to that. <laughs> That's um, great. But I, you know, the guys in smart marketing have done the Juice versus Squeeze the Juice versus Squeeze podcast. Yep, yep, that's right. They did. And uh, then COVID hit, and it kind of bailed out. So I was scheduled to come in there, never did get to come ah, in there. So this is, yeah. this is the first one. I was one. featured on that podcast because I did a smart space talk on how to win at work the art of communication. That's right. And that was really fun. Yep. That was one of the funnest things. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Why do yeah. we know all of these things, and why are we saying these things? Tell us, uh, tell the folks listening a little bit about yourself. You're a Popper Bluff Van Buren native Give us the lowdown. Give us the elevator. We're on le- we're on ground level, and we're going. We're in Trump Tower, and we're going to the top floor. Give us the pitch. Who's Matt Bedell? <laughs> well, I don't know if the building's tall enough. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. I'm born in Popper Bluff, um, and went to Popper Bluff High School. Nice. Um, my my dad uh, and stepmom have built the landing over in Van Buren, and mm. I I went to work there at a very early age. 15, 16 years old, and actually worked there 23 summers. Wow. Um, Just to let our listeners know, we're located in southeast Missouri, kind of top of the boot hill. Van Buren is is a town that's situated on Current River, and Current River is by far just one of the most beautiful rivers in Missouri. And so the landing is this phenomenal resort. You can Google it and look it up. Just a man, what a way to spend summers, bro. It was it That's was pretty awesome. much a dream job. I yeah. mean, it really was. And uh, and of course they were were building it, and so it was growing every summer, getting to do a lot of fun things and learning a lot about leadership, uh, learning a lot about myself. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was um, you know people came there to have a good time and float the river, sure. stay the night. We had a restaurant, and so got to. Got a lot of different managerial skills sure. over those years working. Right. I remember managing the restaurant one summer and um, and interviewing like forty two people over the course of six months, and at the end had like two of those people. So, were... so is the saying true that a restaurant is by far the hardest business to like create, manage, and sustain? Absolutely. Yeah, it, yeah I would I've not heard re- that. I would not recommend anyone right. get a restaurant. That's business. why they have all those shows, those reality shows. Right. Restaurant. You, you have impossible. to be good. Right. right. And, and you have to be good all the time. Yep. Okay. And. And the turnover is really high. Yep. The, uh, keeping track of the inventory and the food costs, yep. and and then you're always open when you know um, the weekends or yep. the evenings or whatever. So it kills so, your social life. Yeah. Yeah. And then, wow. And and really, you know, it's it's the lowest profit margin, you know, of <laughs> yes. most businesses. So yes. um, wow. everybody, you know, if you think, well, I make a pretty good cheeseburger, and I'd like to have a restaurant new. Yeah. No. So the, so what you're saying is, when it comes to that aspect. The real money's renting tubes yeah, for the, people the, to float down the absolutely. river. Absolutely, <laughs> you're spot on. That's it, man. You're spot That's on. it. Yeah. The reason the restaurant is there is because people wanted to float Amen. on tubes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So you oh. did that, and and you're married. How long you been married? When did you meet your wife? Yes, met my wife. Um, actually, we were in high school together in Popper Bluff, but um, it was five years after high school. She was floating at the river. Perfect. And, yeah, it's, it's really it's like a Beach Boys song. It was pretty cool story. It's yeah. pretty, you know, one of those kind of destiny things where. Very 
like, cool. like I was supposed to go on a date with another girl, and I had just gotten this is like pre cell phone. Wow. So uh, 1996, Let's something go. like that. Yeah. So I'm walking to the car dejected because this girl I was supposed to go on a date with canceled and yeah. wasn't driving over and wasn't, and I had already had a date planned. Right. Um, so she, so I was walking to my car and bumped into my wife who was Get floating out. in off the river, and she was in from Michigan at the time. And wow. so. Struck up a conversation. I never knew this story. Really? This is great. And my wife, by the way, listeners, my wife loves Matt's wife. So this is really cool. This is awesome. This is great. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if I had been five minutes later, five minutes earlier, whatever, you know, and then she was way out of my league, I probably would have never asked her out. Amen. uh, Except that I was just dejected and kind of, you know, had all these plans. You're like, what else do I have to lose? Yeah. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I would like to take you on a date. That's awesome. And you already had it planned. Right. Very cool. Right. So, so yeah. So super cool. We dated. She was living in Michigan at the time. We dated. Uh, How long four you guys been years, married? Twenty years. Wow, this man! Year. Praise God. Yeah, yeah. Super cool. How many kids? Three kids. Three kids. Uh, That's a good daughter. number. I have a daughter in college. I have my oldest son is going to be a senior this year, and my youngest son is going to be a freshman. Wait a second. So. You just said you had a daughter in college. How did that feel? Saying that sentence. <laughs> That's I'm still cr- still getting used to it's it. It's crazy, yeah. right, man? <laughs> She's home for the summer. Three is so. a good number. We've got three as well, man. So tell me, you are a faithful member of First Baptist Church here in town. Uh, fantastic church, Pastor Brandon Spain. I mean, I I play basketball with that pastoral staff once a week. I have lunch with those guys all the time. I love your pastors, love the church. I'm there all the time stealing Pastor Brandon's commentaries, and that's an actual fact. Um, he'll <laughs> randomly text me, and or it, it'll be Dave. You know, Dave will be like, "Hey, Brandon's looking for his Genesis," and I'm like. Yeah, we were playing basketball, and I snuck in his office. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your your Jesus story, man. How'd you come to know Christ? What was? How does that integrate into your story? Man, that's a, a just a question that I love to answer. Yeah, um, I'll tell you. Um, I I got into drugs at an early age, and and believe it or not, you know. <laughs> Got married, had kids, had a successful quote unquote <laughs> life going on, but I was living two lives. Yep. I, I got into drugs and and was doing drugs. Really, one of those functional drug addicts yep. where I was where I was supposed to be when I was supposed to be there, doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing, yep. and uh, really kind of living two lives. And, Can I say uh, something really quick? Yeah. I think that's massively important for our audience to hear because I think there's a preconceived notion of drug addiction and all of this that, you know, you're sleeping on a park bench, you're doing this, that, and the other. And the reality is, since I've been a lead pastor and I have the privilege and opportunity of people inviting me in in crisis, it's celebratory moments too. I get to be there when the baby's born and all of that, but I get invited into the crisis moment. And I think people would be astonished to know that that story that you just said, I was functional, things were well, I had a great last name, great standing in the community, and I had this going on, is far more common, is a far more common story than people realize. And I just think it's important to acknowledge for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I was I was in church. I was sitting in the pew. Yep. I was going to a men's Bible study. I was, you know, doing all the things that I thought made me look like I had it all together wow. and inside trying to keep it all together, yeah. which was absolutely exhausting. Oh. Um, but, you know, I just, I, I got, got off base and, yep. it, and it just kept getting worse. Cause right. I mean, what happens when you're, when you're doing drugs, especially if you're doing hard drugs, you're, uh, you're going to get arrested. You're, yep. you're going to uh, go to prison. You know, you're there's gonna, an expiration you're, date. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your job. Hundred percent. You're, you're going to die. Yep. I mean, those are really the options. That's that's it. I've and, I've, I've heard a guy say, uh, you know, drug addictions like milk. They both have the expiration date. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's just yeah. the fact. Yeah, it's going to run out. Yes. It's going yes. to run out. And so I kept it going a long time. I was 38 years old. Wow. Um, when I finally got to the end of myself and describe that to me, what's that? What was that like? What was that? Because, and again, man, you know, one of the things I have a very similar story. Um, so was in the party scene, moved a lot as a kid. And then I realized, wow, you can make friends. And I realized I could make friends at school per what I did on the weekend. So if I was at the party, it was the life of the party. When they saw me at school on Tuesday, come sit at my table. I thought that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So got hooked in on that. And the reality was, is that everything does come crashing down. But I came from a great home. I had all of this stuff. 
And I think it's, again, so important for people to realize that I thought when I stepped into ministry that God was going to call me to like the prodigal son, because that's what I was, that broken story. And, and I do think I have a calling to that. But the reality is in that parable, the story is more about the elder brother who's just as broken and just as self-righteous. He doesn't come in the house. He rejects the father, but he has this appearance like he has it all together. Mm-hmm. And I say this all the time, in Popper Bluff and in Butler County, it's like dead man walking. Everybody who has the successful whatever, all of that stuff. So what did that, how did, as C.S. Lewis said, the hound of heaven chase you down? What was that like in that kind of double life aspect? Yeah, I I mean, things had really started to fall apart. And of course, you know, my marriage was on the rocks. And I got to to interject here before I, I go further on that. I mean, I have a wonderful wife. Yes, you do. And so... You know the fact that she stuck with me, and she was she was the rock yep. for for a lot of times. I mean, we you know technically by statistics we shouldn't be married. She you were the product of a praying yeah. wife. Yes, and 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 <laughs> and her being strong in her faith and and her desire to keep her family together. Yep, um, she held on long enough and and you know prayed me to a spot where God could get a hold of me. You got to get to the end of yourself, right? Yep, and when, always. Sometimes the last name and the, all the things and the, and the, um, the check boxes of success are more pressure to mm-hmm. hold it all together. Absolutely. And so I, I went way longer than, than There's I more of a have. cost now. There's more of a cost to it. Right, yep. right. Yep. And so at 38, we, I mean, you know, it, it was uh, some tough moments. Yeah, um, man. It was right around Christmas. Um, I had some drugs in my possession. My wife found them. I didn't know that she found them. She took off in, in my car. I hopped in my car to follow her. Um, and I was chasing her down on a very curvy road. And, and the thought went through my head, if I could flip her car, I could get the drugs out and be gone before the cops got here. And that's my wife in the car. So that's where I had gotten to mentally. I was, I was detachment from reality. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, thank God, you know, nothing happened. I I went back home. I I remember getting in the fetal position and crying and I cried out to God that night. Wow. Um, and just said, I I need help. And that was really the first time I I had faked like needing help. You know, when people catch you with drugs, you say, well, yeah, I'm going to get help. And you're just doing it for other people. That was the first time I was really just so The difference in remorse and repentance, right? And that's what it was. And I want to say something really quick. When you said that, you know, I've got got a great wife and a woman who loves the Lord and that you're a product of answered prayers. Uh, You know, we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast and marriages... Are, are difficult all around. I always like to say that they have a word for people who are struggling in their marriage, and it's called married, right? <laughs> right? Um, but in, in 1 Peter 3, Peter talks about wives and husbands, and he gives an exhortation, like the women get six verses. He like breaks it down, and the guys get verse seven. It's like, <laughs> it's so great. But it says, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, that they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, and then it goes on to say, do not let your adorning be external, but internal. And when you said that you had a wife that was clinging to Jesus, um, I think it's really important for spouses and people to hear right now. Like, you know, the opposite of that would be nagging, would be control, would be all of those things. And what you're saying is, I had a wife who loved Jesus so much that it was only because of her faithfulness that I'm here. So I just want to encourage, yeah. um, you know, the audience listening. That's First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. That's a golden nugget there. So, so, so you've cried out. This time it's repentance. It's not just remorse. What's next? What does that look like now? Yeah, so um, I knew about John three sixteen. I had someone had told me about John three sixteen. Can you explain what that is to our listeners? Yeah, so John three sixteen. It's a spiritual boot camp for men with addictions. It's in Charlotte, Arkansas, which is kind of northeast Arkansas, yep. about ten miles from Batesville. Holy ground. Holy ground. They they've they've been uh, a ministry for I, I want to say. Gosh, maybe 17, 18 years. Birthed out of a straight burden and conviction. And now it's to the point to where they are recognized by the state of Arkansas. How many guys are there probably? 175. Right now? 175. Yeah. And, and they have a waiting list. 
they constantly. Have, yes, they're wow. they're full. They they take men in on Sunday after church. You come to the church service with your family, and then you interview to get in. And yeah. they they really have a very strong vetting process. They want the people who have been in the fetal position crying out to God. They yep. don't want the people that are their their wife saying you got to get help or else. Yep. Westside has partnered um, deeply with John three sixteen Ministries. So if you're listening to this and you have a family member um, or a friend, um, a, a man who is struggling with addictions, you can just Google. John 316 Ministries, Arkansas, and that information page. There will be a phone number there, all of that. Please reach out um, and contact that. So so now you're in contact there, and you get accepted into the program. I do. I go I go down, uh, it was December 30th um, of 2012, yeah. and uh, my wife went with me and a couple of other men. Um, and I, I just want to say, as you you know, point that out to folks, uh, as a graduate, I'd be happy to talk to anybody Amen. and help them, Beautiful. guide them. There is a process to kind of kind of get in. It's totally free. Um, we'll put Matt's and, um, email in the show notes on the podcast, and so that would be a great way to shoot you an email contact. Yeah, yeah. A- absolutely, absolutely. I thought that John three sixteen was a metal building with a guy in a clipboard on a uh, dirt floor as everyone sat around in Indian style. You know, they yeah. were going to tell you what was wrong with me because I knew something was wrong with me. Amen. You know? And I was a, I was broken and I, I needed fix. But yep. man, I was so pleasantly surprised. Number one thing I found out when I got in, there was eighty guys there at the time, all walks of life all over the country, you know, people from Utah and whatever. I mean, there was attorneys in there. There was all kinds of people, and I immediately just related to people, Mm. and I got hope in the fact that, man, maybe it's not just me because I think in drug addiction, that's what you think is I'm broken and I'm fixing. I can't fix this, and there's something wrong with me, and I'm alone in this. You know the other stories of addiction, but what you end up doing is you end up justifying how specific your story is. Like, I live here. I'm dealing with, you know, you just go, I can't. Mine's different. Absolutely. Yeah, so that was the first thing was just, man, I had some hope, and it, you know, I tell people all the time it takes about 30 days physically for your body just to be a little bit more healthy. Yep. Get hydrated, get some food, gain some weight, you know. Sleep eight hours. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> right. but, you know, you immediately start working there, and it's great, and you just start to feel like a man, you know. And three months in, mentally, your brain starts working a little bit again. Uh, I remember just walking back from dinner one night and just the weight of the world falling off my shoulders. Wow. And it was a, a month in, two months in, and just, oh, my gosh, I don't have a phone I don't have a bill. I don't have anything wow. to worry about. I All I have to worry about is getting this relationship with Jesus right. Amen. You know? And so that's the key for them there. That's why it's John 3.16. It's yeah. Jesus is not an addition. He's essential. He's Jesus the cure. is the cure. That's their saying. He's the cure. Jesus is the cure. So what was that like for you in that process? Did they love you into that? Was it you know a revelation in a Bible study? Was it a process? What did that look like there? The day I got in, they had a, um, a, a guy that preached, Mitch Bell, and, and he gave an altar call, and I went forward on the altar call, and, and I talked to him really briefly. I, I said, hey, I, I, I know the Lord, but I want to give my life to Christ. Amen. And, and he said, get down there and start repenting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what yeah, he said. Yeah, it's so clear. So clear. Right. Old so, Testament prophet style, man. Yeah. I love it. And so I got down on my knees and I just, I just bawled. I said, God, and my wife was, you know, back sitting down in the pew. That was a disaster. Uh, everything was a disaster in my life. And I said, if if you can do something with this mess, I will follow you. I will serve you. That was my yeah. prayer, uh, basically it. It is amazing how immediately things got better. Wow. I mean, just immediately um, in inside, yep. right? So it's like he was waiting on me all this time. And then once that, once that repentance was there, it was so instantaneous. The yeah. peace of God that flooded DL my Mo- mind. D.L. Moody says, everybody wants the peace of God but you can only get the peace of God when you have peace with God. Mm. And and that's what you're describing is everything else external, the relationships, the addiction, all of that is an overflow from the internal conflict that's taking place. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is, is when I opened up, one of the things that I like to say is whatever's hidden will never be healed. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, in First Kings, when the king has leprosy and, you know, he's this great man and he has to take off his armor and he has to dip in the Jordan. It's like this humiliating act, but he has to humble himself. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is, is that was an overflow. And I just think that's so important for our listeners to, to hear is when I meet with people and you're the same way, what is pressing on them 
is the current conflict. It's like, man, I'm about to lose my marriage. Mm-hmm. I'm about to lose my job. I'm about to, you know, we're over here going, well, number one, you've probably already lost those things. Mm-hmm. And those aren't the main things. The main thing is the internal conflict that's taking place. So it's beautiful to hear you describe that internal peace that sets in. So so what does it look like now there at the ministry with this full surrender and this process taking place? Yeah, from there, it's just learning how to follow Christ in mm. a day-to-day, um, you know, we, we have a short Bible study in the morning, every morning, and their philosophy there, which is great, I love, you know, there's other ministries that say, hey, we're going to spend five, six hours in the Bible yeah. or, or whatever. It's it's a short Bible study. We, we pick up something from the Word, and then we go out and we try to do that. Yes. And so it's through application and, and, and walking it out. And so you just learn a lot. You go through a lot. My, my mom had a quadruple bypass while I was in there, mm. um, you know, you don't leave. If you leave, you can't ever go back to John three sixteen. But if yeah. you stay the six months and graduate, then it's always open to you to go back. And wow. so I learned just a lot about walking with Christ. And I prayed more than I ever had. I read the Word more than I ever had. And and God just met some incredible and, guys in there too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so the accountability thing is there. And still here, coming up on eight years sober, eight years from from graduating. Praise God, from there. Man, good for you, bro. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And um, I've still connected with them, you yep. know, in a, in a little different capacity, but I like to help men get in down there and I like to support them. I like to be at their events and uh, sometimes they'll send a crew up to help me do some stuff at my house. Yeah. It's just great. And, um, and, and they're a number, they're a hundred percent donation based. Yes. The, 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 they're not accepting government grants, federal grants, or anything like that. They so, wouldn't be allowed to teach correct. Jesus. And so that's, yeah. uh, that's so the churches and all theme. that. If, if you're listening to this and you just want to be a part of something, you want to give to something, let me tell you, if you go to that website, there's a donate page and what your money is going to is a, a tangible life that is being saved. It is great bang for your buck. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I mean, we've we've done a ton of offerings. So when I got to Westside about six years ago, um, there was a community of guys in the community, and I want you to tell a little bit about that, kind of the meantime house, the transition house, and all of that, but started having these men come to Westside who had been freshly graduated out of this ministry. And what was great is we also had a group of guys that were waiting to get into the <laughs> ministry. So it was like, you know, a bunch of knuckleheads and stuff like and it was just fantastic. But let me tell you, and I think any pastor in Popper Bluff that has had the privilege, and when I say a privilege, I 100% mean that, a privilege to pastor a graduate from John 3.16. This is a guy who on Sunday morning is there early with his Bible open, hungry for the word, and comes up afterwards and is like, what needs to be done here? I mean, I mean, we had guys that are like, man, we'll stack chairs, we will mop, we'll mow the lawn. We'll, I mean, it's... It, it, it gave me energy as a pastor. You know what I mean? Mm. It, you know, instead of dealing with, why don't we change the carpet? Or, you know, <laughs> it's just you got these men. And, and I firmly believe that if you, if you win the men, you win the war. I just, I believe that. I believe if you win the men, you win the war. I think one of the problems going on now is we need less government and better men. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, and so, and I, I think John 3 is lining up and doing that. And so... You graduate, and one of the key factors in John 3 is you're, you're now a fisher of men. Right. Jesus caught you, and he catches right. you to make you a fisher of men. So what did that look like for you out of the ministry? You know, initially I was, uh, when I first got to the ministry, I was ashamed, right? There's sure. a lot of shame, and it's like my, my hometown, what are people going to be thinking? Mm. All that whole gig that I had spent all those years trying to hold up had collapsed and fallen Amen. apart. And that's why I liked staying there six months, learning to walk it out, and then getting out and coming back. And the interesting thing that I found out quickly was some people didn't care. Right. <laughs> they, did, they didn't know. Sure. They didn't know I'd been gone six months. Right. You know? And that was a good gauge on the relationship factor. <laughs> right. Wow. You right. Know, yeah. I talked to people, and I think, well, what are they thinking about me? They had no idea that I'd gone anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know? for so, sure. So that was, that was funny. Uh, to learn, but I, that's what I like about John three is they a couple times during my time there they would send us back into our communities, mm. selling tickets for events and doing things. Yeah. And it was a, a humbling experience, but it also puts it out front, right? Yep. It puts it out on front street. Hey, I went. It is what it is. Yep. Here's the cool thing: Jesus saved me. Yes. You wouldn't believe the life He's given me yes. now. And so, you know, talking about the guys having that zeal and that zest, they had that 
in the drug life, yep, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, you're almost you. If you're going to do hard drugs, you're going to be a person of zest and zeal. Yes, you're yes. going to be the guy driving at four a.m. to places that nobody's driving. Some to. of the greatest yeah. entrepreneurs and people that I know are people that had, you know, Augustine, an early church father, talks about the problem with sin is that it is disordered love. That's our problem. It's disordered love, and so our ultimate love is ourself selfishness and, you know, the, the me, me, me monster. And then what it is to be a Christian is to surrender that and then to have that love for Christ. Mm-hmm. And then when you talked about that guilt and shame, I think it's very important to, to reflect on that. When we see in the garden in Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve, our first parents, chose to be God rather than worship God, it says that they disobeyed God, ate of the tree in which he commanded them not to. And it says their eyes were opened, and they both knew that they were naked. And in ancient literature, that's shame language. And I think it's very powerful to understand that the first emotion that was felt from the fall and from sin, this is the first emotion that was felt when the door of sin was opened, was shame and guilt. And pastoring people, I believe, it is by far one of the greatest tactics that the enemy mm. uses to keep people shackled mm-hmm. in guilt and shame. And, you know, we talk about people having to forgive other people. Man, one of the things I've learned as a pastor is people struggle with forgiving themselves, mm-hmm. yep. you know, you know, in light of that. And so I, I've struggled with that in a lot in the last eight years is just, you know, not looking at things through the past lens, mm. the lost time with my kids, yeah. the lost, you know, the fragmented relationships that I created and the just the lost opportunity, but you can't, you know, Jesus is for now. He's for for now. And he works all things out for good. And you don't, you don't imagine the things that I did, uh, that I thought, man, how can anything good come of that? But, but Jesus has done that. And Broken so his, pieces his to masterpieces. Man. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so, beautiful. So anyway, I get out of the ministry. I realized that I can't go back to my my dad's business over there. It's yeah. that was that was part of the yeah. you know, everybody's there for a good time. I'm a people person. Yep. I meet people. It just wasn't a good environment, you know, to continue this walk with Christ. And so that was really the toughest decision I made that last month I was there is I'm I'm gonna move to yep. Popper Bluff. I'm gonna live in Popper Bluff. Yeah, and, that that's and, important, and I want you to speak to that because I know, uh, you know, oftentimes people reach out to you. They know your story. You have a lot of conversations with guys. How important is it to understand the context and understand triggers and understand? You know, you were saying everybody comes to the landing to have fun, and it involves a cooler and maybe some stuff in a baggie, and you know, that's that lifestyle. What, what was it like for you, and what would you say to people who would say, because I have this conversation, and I know you do, somebody will inevitably come up to me and go, hey, man, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, and the first thing out of their mouth is, I mean, I don't need to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't need to go anywhere. Yeah. And what they're saying is, how can I avoid the consequences mm-hmm. of my choices? And so, you know, when you talk to people, how important is it to create a new context? And, you know, Jesus says that new wine needs new wineskins. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for you? Yeah, there's so many cues and, you know, there's an emotional attachment to things. And I mean, even even to this day, I, I can drive by a road or yep. drive by a house and just have the feelings that, man, it's like, where were where did that come from? Hundred percent. You know, so ch- making some pretty abrupt changes, I think, is key. Yeah. Just you got to change things up, right? You want to change some things in your life. You got to change some things in your life. Yes. But create an environment that, I mean, it's it's Christ that does it in us. But we really can control some of the things we can control. Yes. Right. Let's get let's get an environment going where I'm around men who are going the same direction I'm going. Yes. Right. I don't I don't need to be around somebody else that, that thinks I'm an alien because I've come back a Christian, right. you know. Right. I need to be in a place where uh, I'm around people. And so I, I kind of made that decision, hey, I, I want to get around people who are also following Christ. That's huge. And, and dude, I connect. relate I relate to that for me. I had to move out of the town that I was in. And listen, to this day, I'm talking over a decade and a half later. Um, you know, if I if I 
listen to a certain type of music mm. for a long period of time rather than just dip in and kind of appreciate the culture. So, you know, I love art. I love mm -hmm. the culture and all that. Mm -hmm. But if I listen to a certain type of music for a long period of time, then I'm looking on the internet, trying to buy some new tennis shoes. And my wife's like, hey, <laughs> what's going on? And what's happening is that that's the beginning. I'm self-aware enough to know that that is the beginning stages of a long journey of where I know that road ends. And I, again, I just think it's so important for people to understand yeah. that, like you said, in order to change some things in your life, you got to change some things for your yeah. life. But his mercies are new every morning. Every right? morning, yes. Yeah, and so, Praise God. so waking up and, and having that for the fresh set of problems that are there, mm. because life is difficult, right? There yep. are things that come at us, and I need him every day. Just like that night I was in the fetal position crying, out, I need him like that today. Yes. And so I'll go a couple days and not be in the word as much, not yep. saying prayers, not having spiritual conversations. And I can, I can feel it, man. Oh. And I don't, so I, I mean, I, this is my prayer. Most often, this is the prayer I pray driving down the road. God, I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> I'm trying to do it again mm. on my own. Like I did for years. Yep. It never works. I, I need you. I need you now. I need you in my marriage. I need you. And there as he a is father. as a loving father, yeah. arms wide open. You know, I had an experience. Um, the Lord saved me um, in a car, everything that I owned. Um, I think people are familiar with that story. Funny thing is, is I kept that car for a number of years after I'd gotten saved and, and clean and everything. And um, probably two years ago, I was picking up pizza for the family at Pizza Hut and I pulled into Pizza Hut and there's the car. <laughs> and and I knew it was the car cuz the front the front bumper was all crushed and dented in from some crazy night. Mm -hmm. And I run inside and I'm like, whose car is that? And I talked to the driver and sure enough, it had my, the engine had broke down and I'd sold it to this guy for parts and and when I drove away and I was going back home with dinner for the family, I just wept and felt that the Lord had impressed upon me, Jason, I love you the same. Even look at your family, look at the church, look at all of this quote unquote success. Jason, I love you the same the day I found you in that car. Mm. Nothing changes for that, man. And that's the love. That's, that's the love right there, man. Yeah. So so do you get plugged into a church when you come back? What, yeah, so what does that look like? Well, that's where First Baptist comes in. While I was at the ministry, Yvonne started going there with the kids. Yeah. And they just kind of, you know, wrap their arms around them. Praise um, God. And, and, of course, I knew Dr. Caldwell, and he had his class. That's kind of the class I had been sitting in. You yeah. Know? Um, and so, and he had, he had helped me get there, make the decision, you know, yeah, you need, you need this help. And so... Um, it was really cool. Uh, they tell us there in the minute. It's one of the reasons I'm sitting here doing the podcast because you said you know I'd like to talk about your testimony, and they teach us at the ministry when someone wants to hear the testimony, you just say yes, amen. Just, even if you don't want to, That's right? good. I don't know if I want to get on a podcast and put my story out to a <laughs> sure. bunch of listeners, but sure. but it, I have to tell what what Christ has done, and so. Steve Francis called me. I'd been out of the ministry like a week. My mom had gone into a nursing home after her quadruple bypass. Her, We had to sell my house, but she, her car, I started driving her old brown Buick, you know, and, yeah. I, mean, and I didn't have a job and didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. And, uh, man, a wife and three kids, and wow. you know, i got to figure some things out. Everything's brand new. Or, yeah. So anyway, Steve calls me, and he says, hey, would you like to give your testimony at First Baptist this Sunday? And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I Wow. Mean, is this the first time? This is the first time. Okay. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. 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 And, and, of course, I had to say yes. Yep. <laughs> and so, Praise God. So yeah. I said yes and uh, gave the testimony, and then they had, earlier in the year, set aside a budget for a media person. Well, I'm a hospitality person. I, yeah. I have my PhD in tube rental, right, yeah, and, right. and other things. Yes. And, but during the course of my dad's business growing, I had gotten into marketing a little bit, and Facebook had come on the scene, yep. and, and I built a couple websites, took my stab at building a couple websites. Okay. And so I had a, 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 just a little bit of experience with that. And so they had a part-time job, you know, doing media ministry at First Baptist. Wow. So, so I took that job. It was, you know... Um, not not the highest paying job I ever sure. had. I was just kind of grateful to have a job and just started working. I worked uh, maybe six months and then they they gave me a full time gig yep. the next year. Um, then the phone rang and somebody said, 
uh, hey, I heard you build websites. I don't know where they heard that, but uh, I said, sure, you know, yeah. and it was a business here in town. And so I built that website. And then uh, one thing leads to another, you know, here we are eight years down the road. Um, my marketing company has built about a hundred websites. You wow. know, we got seven guys working in there doing and what's Social. the name of your marketing company? Smart Marketing. Smart Marketing. And we are in Smart Studio, the space uh, today. And so one of the cool things about God's sovereignty and his providence, when Westside was going to launch its website and shoot a new video, we were one of the first churches mm -hmm. under the Smart Marketing Company. We've been right. with you guys for a while. And listen, I get asked a lot because I'm friends with pastors on social media they see the content, they see the website, they see all of that. And if you're listening to this, you you just need to Google smart marketing and Popper Bluff. And it's been a joy and a privilege um, to work with you guys in light of that. The and, same for you guys, man. We we appreciate you taking a chance with us. I love up and coming projects. And yeah. I, you know, I just remember you preaching your first time, maybe 14, 15 people. Yep. I, I listened to the MP3, I think, Wow, yeah. Um, wherever it was, and just excited for I you. I recorded that. that sermon that you had listened to. I recorded on the voice. Here's what I would do. At Westside, there's probably 25 people on a Sunday morning. We have like three microphones that work. And when uh, the person that was leading worship would pray, I would pull my phone out, and I would press record on the voice memo and set it next to the speaker. Yeah. And then after I was done, I would stop, and then I would upload. I mean, that's how. Yeah. So praise God for yeah. smart marketing coming <laughs> along and helping us out. But now, um, now, now, what does it look like for you? You've got some other ventures. You, you've got a new job, uh, incredible company. What does that look like? Yeah, I was fortunate enough to um, get on with uh, Southern Bank. It's a bank here, and we have uh, 49 branches in Missouri, Illinois, and Arkansas, and I'm the marketing officer, so I'm over those branches and the, the marketing efforts corporate for the yep. bank. I've uh, been doing that about a year and a half. Um, Great bank. Yeah. We, we bank through Southern. We've got our mortgage and stuff through there. Um, they're local. Um, there's a, a probably three uh, employees of Southern Bank at Westside. Yeah. And great, great bank. So I don't know if that's a plug or whatever, but go check it out. I love I love all these plugs, man. This <laughs> yeah. is fun. Well, it's just the story, man. You know, well, so. man, they, you know, I got a phone call and they said, I didn't know, I knew Southern Bank was a Poplar Bluff bank. And mm -hmm. I, I actually thought there was about five branches. Sure. I did not realize how much they had grown. I didn't know that years. either until you started working there. I yeah. met you, I think, a little bit after you went full time at First Baptist. Mm -hmm. I remember doing something with Dave one day. And you were in that crow's nest office upstairs there mm -hmm. in the balcony. I think that's one of the first times that I met you. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I had, I think we actually met at Fields of Faith the night that you spoke at Fields of Faith. Okay. But yep. you were walking up. I shook your hand. I said, hey. Okay. You know, knock him dead or whatever. Gotcha. Uh, so I knew who you were. There but you go. Yeah. But that little crow's nest office, that was cool. Yeah, I, man. I, do, I do remember... That's very you cool. Guys coming up, yeah. So what's Southern? What so what does it look like for you now in in your job? I know we've got a lot of people that listen that are into marketing. We've got some Three River students. We've got a lot of young people that listen to this. Marketing is a big deal. Um, it's everything right yeah. now. And so what does it look like for you and and that position? Yeah, I you know I went to the University of Alabama in ninety two to ninety six, and I studied marketing, and nothing that I studied there is, right? is applicable today. I couldn't imagine um, a field that that is maybe medicine, maybe medicine changes faster sure. than that. Yeah. But yeah. think about just think about twenty years. The internet, the everything, phones, all of Everything's that. flipped on its ear, and digital marketing's huge. And then, you know, everything happened last year with COVID. I, I was really kind of like, could, I was concerned. I was like, man, every, you know, sure, we're going to lose business. It's going to go down. Well, I didn't realize, well, everybody wants a digital presence, and they want it right now. Right now. And so really, actually. And shout out, what we did is we pivoted. Um, you know, I heard in a leadership podcast that before COVID, um, churches had one highway lane that was the Sunday morning gathering. That was like the main speed lane. And then there was this passing lane as a figure of speech that was called media. And churches kind of dabbled in that, but didn't really dabble in that. If you did, you were doing great at it. The Craig Rochelles and people like that, you know, were going fast on that highway. Mm -hmm. And what COVID did is it gave you two lanes now. Now there's no passing lane. You either have a media lane and a gathering lane, or eventually there's an expiration date, you know, when it comes to that. And I want you just in just to kind of 
change course a little bit. Sure. You were involved, obviously, in when churches pivoted, COVID, everything like that. What were some things that you saw in the marketing world that have changed due to COVID from, I mean, it can be in your position there from the banking industry and marketing in general, or with what you saw from churches and what people have had to deal with when it comes to the pivot of COVID? Yeah. I tell you, I'm overall, I'm just kind of disappointed <laughs> what, yeah. what happened. Yeah. Um, just to be honest, I mean, all the eggs went in the basket of online service. Sure. Everybody said, well, we've got to, our people are at home, they have Facebook or they have the internet, and and so we've got to start filming our service and putting it out there. Yep. And everybody pretty much did that. The I mean, literally, are doing. even podunk churches out in a farm field had a pastor had his cell phone. And listen, shout out to churches. For an organization that is known for not changing and not going with the times and being old curmudgeons, I'm not sure that I know of any type of organization that pivoted and had to adapt so quickly right. week in and week out to COVID like churches. Right. Right. So shout out to churches. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I think, you know, obviously looking back, hindsight is 2020 and you look back at, at kind of what transpired. And all the eggs went in that basket of that Sunday morning online service. Yeah. We have to connect. We're looking for the interaction and the yeah, likes sure. and the comments on the on the thing and the then, metrics. And in the first few weeks, there was big numbers. Oh man! You know? And then it was like the numbers started going down, down. You're like, what's happening here? Yep. Um, and so looking back on it, it's easy to say, well, you should have done this or should have done that. And and really, everybody was kind of making the same mistakes. There were very few that yep. really, you know. Barna released a study that said seven weeks after pretty much churches went online, that um, about the seven or eight week mark when the numbers started tanking, all churches saw like, whoa, this interaction is gone that um that like one out of four church members weren't logging on anymore mm-hmm. and weren't listening mm-hmm. and weren't even connected in any way, shape, or form mm-hmm. to their local church in that. So it was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, there's a lot of media mistakes. I mean, audio and video sure. and technical glitches and, you know, sure. being, you know, we set up a, a few churches uh, here locally, you know, to, to help them get going. So that was a, there was a, just a lot of emphasis on that. And I don't know, you know, I don't know what the answer was looking back to say, hey, how do we keep everybody connected and in community? Everybody got really comfortable on Sunday morning, like getting their coffee, and then you'd be watching your service at your church, and you go... Flip over to... Yep. Yeah, and and then it was just you know watching videos. It's like, well, I kind of do that all week anyway. Looking, you know, listening right. to different pastors that I like, or you right. know, listening to podcasts here and there. And so it wasn't really different. And so there wasn't this Sunday morning community coming together anymore. Right. And I think it's really hurt long term. There's there's people that that never came, haven't come back. Sure. You know? Yeah. Or they've gone to different churches, and that's that's fine. Um, but I just I just wonder kind of what the long term effects are. I think I think if anything what COVID did, and I am adamantly against the statement that COVID paved the way for the future of the church is online. I think, you know, I think what I said was true, that now you have another lane that you have to get in. But I think if anything, what COVID did is it revealed the value of the in-person Sunday morning gathering. That when the scriptures constantly command, and it is a command in the New Testament, it's not optional. It's the command to gather the Lord's people in the Lord's house on the Lord's day is a special, special thing. And I think, um, if anything, COVID revealed the necessity of that. But you're right, there was a sifting. So what we saw was if somebody was a once a month attender at Westside on on a Sunday morning gathering, not in a community group and not serving, um, those people literally have disappeared. They are, they're gone, you know, gone in that sense. Now what we're starting to see is the waves coming back in light of vaccinations and this, that, and the other. What we're starting to see now is even the people that were serving a little bit and online are just now sort of starting to get that second wave and stuff of coming back. And you're right. I'm not sure, you know, I think this thing's going to play out for a Mm -hmm. while, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to that stuff. You know, it was interesting because we always in the church talk about community and building community. And that's why we, we, we come to be an encouragement. We come to be encouraged yeah. in that face-to-face interaction. I mean, there's sometimes during a the week, it's like, man, I, I just can't wait to get there and just, yeah. you know, 
talk to people and see people and share in struggles and all that thing. Yeah. Well, you know, online communities are everywhere. Right. You can be part of anything you want to be a part On of. On Reddit or yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. You can make comments. You can watch videos. And so it really, it's, it was nothing different. So yeah. Now that now that we're able to get back together face to face, I I mean we'll turn the tide. It'll because Amen. it's the church. Amen. You know? it's Absolutely, Jesus church. And um, I'm I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, you know, church websites and and all. This. I mean, people aren't watching average church services in Middle America. No, nope. <laughs> on Sunday. No, nope. on Sunday morning they're just not. Right? You know, you flip over to somebody who you like better, or you well, know, and whatever. churches can't compete. You know, you know these guys like a Stephen Furtick or a Craig Rochelle who have a production that's comparable to Disney or right. something like that. You right. know, and you're like. Right. Wow, man. But yeah, I think it will play itself out. Now, switching gears, when, when it comes to um, you know your career now with the marketing and there at Southern Bank, um, what did you see in light of COVID? And you know, basically, let me ask you this, and I know this question is going to get you really excited. Okay. What would you advise somebody right now to do <laughs> who has a little bit of disposable income? Oh, my Matt gosh. Bedell. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you're alluding to cryptocurrency. Oh, and, there it is. And Bitcoin. <laughs> there it is, ladies and gentlemen. No, yeah. so, so this is an ongoing joke with me and Matt. Matt is um, he's an entrepreneur at heart. I would say that you absolutely have an apostolic gifting, um, apostolic meeting, starting new things, leading things, doing that, being progressive when it comes to the church as an organism, not an organization in that sense. And so I love that you're on the cutting edge. And obviously, cryptocurrency right now is on, on every... I mean, I've got aunts and uncles that are talking about it at birthday gatherings yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. What, you know, And at SmartSpace, you were going to kind of do a little bit of a session as to what that looks like. Break that down for us just a little bit. I sure. don't want to go too deep, but just sure. for the average person that can go, oh, yeah, okay, what is all this stuff? Well, I think there's just a problem. And the problem is is our government printed $6 trillion in the last 12 months, okay? What? And if you look at some of the Fed charts, it's it's a, a huge spike of, of money supply. So yeah. what, what does that mean? Well, if I'm a hardworking American and I've spent years and years saving money and I have money in the bank, that money has become a melting ice cube yep. because inflation is steamrolling for us. And the Fed will tell you whatever their number is, two and a half, three, four percent but we're already seeing 15 and 20 and 30% inflation. So if you have $100,000 cash in the bank, this year you're going to lose 20% of that purchasing power, which means wow. you'll still have 100000 at the end of the year, but you'll only be able to, to spend 80000 worth. Wow, right? which is one of the reasons why I heard um, there was a certain category of people that got wealthier during COVID because assets are more valuable than labor yes. right now. And right. so something that generates itself like that. So so what's the what what does the future of this look like and and what does this mean? Yeah, so what do you do with your cash? Cash is trash is what everybody's saying, wow. right? That yeah. it's not I mean it's opposite. It's really anti-Dave Ramsey. Right. <laughs> sure. Which by the way Dave says it's the wild west and and, yes. and again, guys, we're we're two guys in Southeast Missouri in a podcast room talking, right. you know, we, we by no means are experts on this, but this is fun to talk this about. This is not financial advice. You have to no, it is not. Yes. But here's what you have to do. Okay. If that's all true, if the, if inflation's coming, if I have cash saved up and I have disposable cash right now, I have to put it in an asset. Yeah. I have to, I have to find an asset that's going to appreciate at the same rate that inflation is coming. Yeah. Okay. So if we think, say inflation really is 15%, then I have to put my money into something that's gaining 15% a year to stay, wow. with, keep that purchasing power. Wow. So what's out there? And you have to just go down the list of assets. Okay. Well, everybody says the stock market, right? The stock market's at an all time high. Part of this $6 trillion that people got they right. put into the stock market. So there's Procter some, & Gamble and everything's doing great, right? There's yeah, some valuations sure. that are 10 times earnings that don't make sense. And so is that, do you want to buy in at an all-time high at the stock market? So that's a little wild. So, you know, uh, real estate, it's hard to find. Commercial real estate has really been flipped on its ear. No sure. longer are banks, you know, wanting to uh, lend money on strip malls and things that yeah. they're deeming that society doesn't even need anymore. Right. Malls. Right? I mean, we were up in St. Louis a month ago and the outlet malls and things like that. It was like a ghost. I mean, it was sad. It was right. crazy, man. Right. And so you've got all this real estate, in, in especially in the cities and some of these uh, states, you know, California specifically, where this 
the rental properties, it's it's a third of what it was, and it's empty. Wow. And so where are you gonna where are you gonna put them? You got to find the asset that's appreciating. And yep. so you know, in, long story short. Bitcoin's a pretty good asset to buy. If you if you zoom out and look, it's extremely volatile, of course, up sure. and down. And you have to. I, I it's funny because there was a bit of a crash last week, and I started getting all these condolence messages, you know, from people. My uncle. <laughs> sure, I ones. told you so. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, sure. And so, what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, this is my fifth 35 percent correction yeah, in, guys, the, yeah, in the last sure. three years. For so sure. It hardly got my stomach, but uh, so the volatility is there. But if you zoom out. Bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency that has actually done what it says it's doing. Can right? you break um, down somebody listening to this? What is cryptocurrency? What is that? What does that even mean? I mean, basically, it's digital money. Okay, you know, yeah. and what's great explanation. What 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 people say is, well, I you know, I like to hold my cash. Well, really, I mean, I don't even see my paycheck. It's a direct deposit. Sure. It goes into an account. I have a debit card. Our tithe and offering at the church is direct deposit. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. how we have it that's set up. That's one side thing of uh, the COVID was yep. <laughs> online online giving. giving. <laughs> yes, yeah. sir, it we, was. You're exactly we had right. To get that rolling. So yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, find find an asset. Cryptocurrency is pretty good. Now, I when you say cryptocurrency, I I say Bitcoin. I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. I don't. There's nothing else that's actually proven that, that's sure. doing anything. Everything else is speculation. Sure. Bitcoin since 2009 has been doing. It did it in the last 10 minutes. It did what it did 12 years ago. Yeah. It's producing the blockchain and and to go back to your definition, it's it's not just digital money, but it's digital money that does not have to pass through the federal government. Or, or a third-party bank. Or a third-party right. bank. There's, or, there's yes. a, a guy named Jack Mallers. He's 26. He built this uh, platform called Strike in his house. And he basically, if I want to pay someone, anyone in the world, let's say, let's say they're in El Salvador. Um, like right now, El Salvador gets more money sent to it from people in our country than any other country. Like like Western Union yeah, style. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because there's, lab there's laborers here in the States correct. that are sending money back home to El Salvador. That's correct. Okay. And so the way they send it to them is Western Union. There's a few Western Union outlets there. They take 10% of the money yeah. to Western Union, and then there's gangs that sit outside of those Western Unions, threaten people with their lives, take 30 to 40% wow. of the money. So what Strike does is I can take you US dollars, convert it to Bitcoin instantly, send it across the Bitcoin network to someone in El Salvador who has the Strike app, yep. let that be converted to pesos or whatever it is. The, the entire transaction takes less than 20 minutes. It's final. And that person now has the peso or whatever. And on there's their no phone. bully waiting to get their lunch money. Correct. Wow. And they can take that to any ATM in the country, scan the code, and it spits out whatever the cash wow. is. So, so it, there's some socioeconomic uh, yeah. improvements worldwide. Not you know, in the U.S., we see it as a stock or an investment or whatever, sure. but it's an asset. There's a finite supply of Bitcoin. Buy some. Interesting. <laughs> so, so here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wrap this up, and there's a reason why I, I asked that question. I think you're knowledgeable in that field. Um, I we did a series um, a couple years back uh, called God's Money. And I had never, when I got into the ministry and especially as a lead pastor, man, I just, I don't care about money, uh, meaning like, I, I, you know, I just, I don't care about it. Now, I, I actually do because I like the things that it gets me, this, that, and the other. But I realize that that is a very wrong view. And what I mean by that is Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. And so for like six weeks at Westside, we walk through what the scripture said. You can go to our website, westsidepb.org, and, and we said, uh, you know, God's money, what is it? How do I invest it? How do I make it? Whose is it? We just asked these fundamental questions, and I, it was a life-changing series for me personally mm. to figure out what the Bible said about money. And here's one of the things that amazed me is God wants a return on his investment. Mm. Parable Je of the talents. <laughs> Dude, Jesus talks about the parable of the talents. I mean, there is all in Proverbs, there is all through the scriptures, God. And so the really the thrust of the series was, is that we are owners of nothing and stewards of everything. Mm -hmm. It is not our money. It's God's money. Mm -hmm. And we will give it an account for God for that. But, but he does want a return on that. And so the reason why I bring that up is because I think there's a ditch on either side of the road when it comes to a theology of money in the church. There's the poverty gospel, you know, which, you know, maybe some 
I don't David Platt and Francis Chan. And I'm just using these guys as an example of, you know, David Platt was very famous for they cut their church's budget and took away the snacks from the junior church so they could give it to mission. <laughs> yeah. So there's like this, mm-hmm. hey, and then there's this prosperity gospel that's mm-hmm. like, man, when you go to church, that's all it is. It's money and God wants you healthy, happy, holy, and with bags full of cash and all of this stuff. And at the end of the day, there's there's the way of Jesus when it comes to that. And I think I just think it's important for people to hear about that and for people to know about that and to make wise investments. And so it's it's good to hear from you in that sense. Yeah, I I think it's super important. One of the conversations that we've been having, my wife and I, is just you know I I had I spent a lot of time like researching Bitcoin. What happened was the you know I was buying it years ago and then price kind of went up and. So you start to take it a little more seriously yeah. and go, man, I really need to be up on this. And so, you know, the more you study it and kind of get excited about, man, this is maybe changing our lives and, and things like that, you know, is this idea of idolatry and, and mm. putting anything above Christ. I mean, you you can do it for a little while. It doesn't. It nope. doesn't bring forth any fruit. It never does, life, man. You know? It never does. And so I have switched kind of this money preference to just this time preference of mm. I, I want to make some memories with my kids, and I want to make a memory Let's with go, my man. wife, and I want to make memories with friends, and it doesn't have to be this big ordeal, It you know, but let's let's have some significant wow. interactions. And then we had uh, a couple weeks ago um, Bob Greer, a, a trustee yes. at our church, just an awesome, awesome guy who just, you know, had an unfortunate accident and and passed away just out of the clear blue. And yes. so I've, it's really been... Devastated the community. And, and our church is just hurting right now. And, and I just, um, I, I'm I'm hurting about it. I mean, I, I wake up and go to bed thinking about uh, Miss Vicky. And and so I've, I've just had a lot of, you know, uh, these thoughts in the last couple of weeks of, man... We just have to make the most of it. We have wow. to make the most of the day. If if a guy calls you and says, "Hey, can you do a podcast tomorrow?" You, you got to go do the podcast. <laughs> That's good. I like that. You know, That's good. Uh, maybe I have to move some things around the schedule. But yeah, I love um, it. We've got to we've got to tell people about Christ. We can't wait anymore. Yeah. You know, amen. Um, the church has got to rise up. The, yes. the world is a contemporary kind of crazy right now, <sighs> and um, we we've got to rise up. Yeah. You know? Well, listen. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on. I think your story is incredibly powerful. I think it um, relates to many people. And now, you know, just looking at you with the wife and the kids, um, the career and what the Lord has done, Jesus really does take broken pieces and make masterpieces, man. He, he really does. So Amen. what would you leave um, our people with, Matt? Where, where are you at right now in life? What's the Lord doing? What's a word that you could just encourage um, a believer with and just leave our people with? I, I think it's just faith and belief. These mm. are the things out there. Everybody wants to figure everything out, and there's an algorithm, and there's this and that. But, you know, Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, and, yep. you know, the woman touches his, and he goes, hey, you know, he, he gets her, and I felt the power leave me, but your faith has made you whole. Yes. And then, then he went to Jairus' house. They said, hey, it's too late. She's dead. And he goes, hey, you just need to believe. Yes. You know, so it's just faith and belief. We've got to we've got to foster those things in our life. You yes. know, we've been given a measure of faith. We've got to work it. We've got to build it. And it's not being taught anywhere except the church. Yes. You know? it's Amen. Not, it's not on Twitter and it's not anywhere else. It's this yeah. day by day, you know, uh, just line by line, step by step. Because um, yes. life's life's difficult. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. Sure, career is hard. I've had um, I've had many conversations with you about marriage and parenting and everything like that. And I just want our people to know and say publicly, I appreciate you. I appreciate um, I appreciate the struggle. And what I mean by that is, men give up. A lot of men bail, and a lot of guys bail on responsibility. And so, for me in my life to look around and go, okay. Who's in the fight? Who's married? Who's got the kids? Who's you're you're one of those names, man. And I just want to encourage you in that and appreciate you a ton. Uh, I man. thank you, Jason. I, I appreciate your friendship and and just look forward to any time that we get to speak and encourage each other. Amen. Hey, pleasure. where where can the people Twitter they can follow you on Twitter? Yeah, or Facebook? I'm at Matt Bedell. It's not anything cool. you know ground shaking over there. You'll get some Bitcoin and you'll get some yeah. some spiritual stuff. The last thing I retweeted was a atheist organization in Kenya put out a statement that said the the head guy there is no longer serving because he has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. yes. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff I'm putting out on I Twitter. I love it. But, I love it. How can, how can people find out about um, Southern Bank and smart marketing? Yeah, bankwithsouthern.com. 
smartmarketingpb.com. Uh, Fantastic. Those are things out there. And then the space that we're in here, Smart Space, is a co-working space that we're trying to fill up. We've just remodeled, and it looks great It here, looks so. so good in these yeah, offices. and that's smartspaceoffice.com great. if you're looking for a place to hang out. And so. then when it comes to the John 316 Ministries, we'll put some of that information um, yes, in the show John notes. John 316thecure.com. Beautiful, beautiful. Matt, Tell your wife, tell your kids, thank you so much. We love you, buddy. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening in. If you have any questions um, regarding anything, our podcast, um, just a general Bible question, you can send in an email at info at westsidepb.org, and we would love to answer that question on the podcast. You can check out any past sermon series that we mentioned here um, at westsidepb.org. You can follow us on social media. We have new service times during the summer we have one service at 10 a.m and that also streams live on facebook and the motto at west side and we pray every day that it is all about jesus matt we love you thanks for stopping by buddy thanks jason